Okay, how did I learn to sell? For this, we need to go back in time. Those of you that know me know that I was born in the early 90s, in 1991. That's 33 years ago, actually. I just turned 33 last month. That was a different time. I was born in India to Indian parents, and then we moved to Norway in 1996. And it was a completely different world to me, obviously. I was only five years old, so I don't remember that much from that time. But I do remember coming to the airport and just looking at everyone, and they looked completely different from me. And I was like, oh, cool. This is a new country that I'm going to be living in. <laughs> then some years pass. And then basically in the late 90s, that's when I start becoming a producer of projects on my computer. Uh, or my computer. We had one computer, which we all used. But honestly, I was the one who used it the most. And then it was my little brother. And I learned, I started learning how to build things. Uh, you're thinking like, why am I going so much back in time? Aren't we supposed to talk about selling? I'm getting to that. It's all related. Okay. I start, the first thing that I create actually is a Pokemon silly animation film in PowerPoint. Because my father came home with something called Microsoft PowerPoint, and he said that you can create some things in here. I was like, okay, you can you can create presentations here, but if you draw, uh, I was really into Pokemon back then. It was like everyone was into Pokemon, basically, in the late 90s when it just had come out. So I like using the drawing tool, I drew like a Charmander or something like that or a Pikachu, and then you can move it around. And so from there, I figured out that each slide is basically like a frame so you can make movies from that right powerpoint was a little bit limited on what you could do creatively like that but soon after my father came home with a software called flash at the time called macromedia flash a little company had created it and that just opened up so many opportunities because in there you could basically create anything this is this is not the way things are done now for some time but this was the hugest thing at the time because with flash you could create um, art you could create movies animation films you could create games you could create websites you could basically create anything and put it out on the web and so i just got obsessed with it and i just started just teaching myself everything there just would come home from school and hours were spent on the computer just building things and I, there was no youtube this is before YouTube. This is like the early 2000s. I'm like nine, 10 years old. And then there's very little information you can get at the time. So how to get the information? You search a little bit online. You get books. I got a library card from the for the local university library where you could find technical books that would teach you how to do things. I used to learn a lot that way, actually. And then, yeah, you just were trying to find anything and everything online. And there was very little. So you have to basically just experiment all the time and teach yourself by doing that. It was very little like tutorial on how I'm now I'm going to show you how to do this. You can just sit back and learn that way. That came later. So Rafa is an old man now. I In some ways, it seems like I'm 33, which is not that old. Maybe it is for you if you're in your 20s. But sometimes it feels like I'm so much older because there's so much things that have happened in the 30-something years that I've been uh, alive. But anyway, so at a certain point, I start getting pretty good at this because I've now spent 
three, four, five years doing this. So at that point, I start making my own video tutorials. Actually, video tutorials were becoming a thing at that point. This is like 2003, four, five. I'm like 14 years old in 2005. And so I make a couple of tutorials and you can watch some of them on my YouTube channel, actually, if you're, if you're curious, but the first couple of them weren't that popular, but there was one that I made that became very popular and it actually brought so much traffic to my website because it got picked up by other websites that were linking back to it. And there was one in particular that emailed me and I said, we really like your tutorial. We would like it to feature it. And I said, yeah. And I had a little website, which, uh, was free to host because I didn't have any money. Obviously I'm a teenager. <laughs> so I just, and my father wasn't going to buy me like a server hosted type of thing that, that would cost money. But so I had set it up and I had the video file on my server or on my host. Right. So anyone that came to my website would, would download it on my end. So that's what I'm paying for. You can say, and on a free host, you are limited. So I went to bed and when I wake up, the traffic goes through the roof and my website isn't working. It says bandwidth reached and all that. And that's when I learned what bandwidth means. And I'm like, what am I run to my dad? I was like, oh my God, we, I have to do something. This is an emergency. This is an emergency. My website is down and people can't get the tutorial that I made. The 14 year old me is saying this. And so my dad spent a little bit of money to get myself a better like hostings plan. But at that point, after a couple of years, I was starting to get this reputation in my school of the kid who could make websites and animation films and that kind of stuff. I was the only person really doing that in my school in, in Norway, in my hometown of Trondheim, which is uh, like nine hours drive north from where I live now in the capital, Oslo. And so I had a music teacher who was this punk rock rocker kind of guy probably at that point in his 30s or something and he had a band actually and he was the one who introduced we had music class and we had two really cool teachers actually both men and both kind of 30 40s and he was the rocker guy and the other one was more more mainstream music so he introduced us to a lot of music that i actually got very influenced by back then and really loved the Clash being one of them, the Beatles, of course, and, and a lot of the others, Queen. And so anyway, he had a band and he came to me and he said, I know you make websites. Can you make us a new website? Because we need a new one. And I was like, yeah, of course I can do that. Definitely. So I started asking some questions and I, we decided on a, a price, which was in today's money, probably two, $300 worth. And I spent some time and I made him a website for his band. And that was the first time that I sold something to someone or made money. That was when I was 14 years old in 2005. And thinking back at it, of course, I have more stories to share uh, later. But just that tells you a lot about how to sell. Because the perfect kind of selling is not the one where you need to go to other people and say, hey, I know how to do things and I think you need this. Give me attention and I will persuade you to give me money and I will sell you this. I think that's what most people think what selling is. And unfortunately, that's where most people start. And if you're doing it like that, you can even hear it in the voice, in the body language, that desperation in a person. And no one likes that. 
So I think the first thing that I would say is that the best way to sell is for you to have kind of in your, I'm not saying like on the web, but in my school, I was known already as the kid who did, who made silly flash movies and websites. Because I would make those and I would show it to my friends and my classmates. And so they they knew about it. They they we talked about it, right? And so the even the teachers knew about it. So that's where you get a reputation of, yeah, okay, if you want that kind of thing, if you want any help with computers or something like that, you got you go to that guy. And that's that's almost like building yourself an audience online now. It was like a very miniature version of that. And that's the best way to do this, really. That you have you just create things that you like just because you enjoy it, really, whether that's tweeting uh, funny memes or something like that, or writing about your observations on learning how to code or I don't know, Photoshop or AI or whatever it is. It could be anything. You just live your life and you just share it online. And so that's what I was doing already. So that's why that sale was easy because that person came to me, which is like the, the best way to do it. Now, what happened after that? After that, I did make a little bit more money online, but it wasn't through like direct sales. I did uh, actually make a little bit of money, but not much through Google ads. Actually, it had just come out a couple of years. Like it, it was pretty new actually. And I had some ads on my website. So I, I remember that I made some money there. I think I made $100 over a six month period or something like that. It's, so it's not much, but I did, at that point I was getting some traffic onto my on my website because people would, usually they would come to me to the for the tutorials that I made. And then, but I also had some games that I'd built and movies and things like that. So there was a little bit of traffic, not much, but anyone that came with, some of them would click on the ads. Some of my friends, I would actually tell them, go and on my website and click on my ad so I can get money. <laughs> and uh, then Google figured that out, that people were doing that. So it blocked that. But for a little while, that actually worked. You could get people that you knew that you were chatting with to come to your website and click. And they, you some of, for some of the clicks, you could get a couple of dollars, actually. So it was very like new. This is like 18, 19 years ago. But after that, I didn't really work in sales. And then in 2015 or 2014, actually, was when I got back to sales or really that when I really started to get into sales in the proper way, in a more traditional way. So at the end of 2014, I was not doing very well. Mentally, I was starting to get OK, but I had a very difficult year. 2014 was probably my worst year of my life. But at the end of it, I was like, okay, I am a university dropout. I don't have a degree. I have a resume with some things on it. I have an internship here and I like a little job there and there, but, and I know how to code, but I don't really, no company is going to hire me as a coder, as a software engineer. So because I tried, I looked for the jobs and no one, I think I even applied for some, but I could sense pretty uh, fast that that wasn't going to work. And so I thought, what is it? What can I get? And I, so I went on the website in Norway. That's the one where you look for jobs. And the only thing that I could get was sales positions. And honestly, to tell you the truth, I was very judgy of that, of that profession. And I thought, you know what? I am a coder. 
and I'm supposed to build things. And I'm not supposed to talk to people. That's not me. And I'm not even going to be good at it. I'm going to be shit at it because I don't like people. I don't really like people. I just Most of the time, I just want to stay inside and just do things on the computer, watch YouTube videos or build things and just do that. This is 2014 now, so almost 10 years ago. But I thought, you know what? You have, to, you have to get over yourself. What are you thinking? You need to make money. You can't live with your parents for all eternity. You, this, is what, this is the only thing you can get. This is the reality. So you have to accept it. So I thought, okay, I might as well just do it. And the thing about sales is that if you want to get into sales, which I actually recommend all of you to do, actually, this is if you are in your 20s, especially, and you are like just sitting and waiting for the tech perfect first tech job to appear, don't do that. Keep applying to that, but get into sales. And I'm going to get into exactly what I mean now because my entire worldview completely changed in a matter of weeks because of what's about to happen. Don't think that you are a person who's always been this, so your future is XYZ. No, that's not true. That's a story that you are telling yourself because it feels comfortable. If you're a person who's introverted or you've told yourself you're introverted, you're like, I don't like people. I just stay home, watch anime and order food. And if I hang out with people, I do it online on Discord or video calls. And sometimes we meet up and that's my life. And I want to continue making that my life. Why? Why? There are other ways to live. There are other things to do. Shouldn't you explore that? Especially if you're in your 20s and 30s, even if you're in your 40s, you're still young if you're in your 40s, even 50s and you haven't really figured out your thing, shouldn't you be exploring all the things that are available? I think so. I'm glad I did that. And I still try to do that. I'm doing something like this year, I have a thing that I, I want to develop my first stand-up special. Why should I do that? Because I want to. And is it scaring me because it's really uncomfortable? Oh yeah. But that's why I want to do it even more because there's so much growth in that, right? Anyway, that was a little bit of a tangent. But what I'm trying to say is that if something makes you go, oh, shit, I could never do that, then that's a reason why you should stay in that feeling and not let it go, because that's a, that's a lot of room for growth. Okay, so what happened then this is 2014, right? So I start applying for jobs and the sales positions, they always call you because they need people because no one wants to do it. So they take anyone, they'll literally take anyone. So I'm 23 years old at the time in 2014. And I get called in for an interview. So this is a recruiting agency in Trondheim where I live. And they basically just get young people that don't really have anything to do. They don't have any credentials. And they just interview them, ask them questions. Essentially what there is, do you have a pulse? Then you're in. Basically, that was the interview. Really not much more than that. Not to demean salespeople because I have a huge respect for them. But that's how it is. You can, anyone can get in. Okay. So they say, we like you. And we're going to, this is the end of the year, right? This is basically December, 2014. So they're saying that there is a call center where about 200 people work and they sell for other bigger companies. So you will be put on a, in a batch of 24 other people. So total of 25 new people, fresh people coming in. Most of them are your same age, a little bit younger, some older. I think the youngest person in our batch was 18, 19, and the oldest one was 30, I believe. And, and they were all Norwegian. I was the only one who looked like this, even though I'm also technically Norwegian, you can say in that sense, because I speak the language and grew up there. 
But that's also something that I was thinking about. That I have this weird name. Everyone else is going to have this Norwegian name. Like, how am I even like when I'm going to introduce myself on the phone? Are people even going to want to talk to me because of these are things that are already cooking in my brain? So, but I do it. I say okay, and then the new year comes, and then we start. And the first week of this training program, or basically, my job would be to be on the phone on the dialer system. Basically, a telemarketer when they call you, hey, you want to switch to from your provider to our provider and save a little bit of money. That that was me. <laughs> that was me back then. Uh, already, I'm thinking, oh my god, every person I'm going to call, they're going to hate me from before, right? You have these preconceived notions, but you get there, and the the program that they have is that the first week is all theory. So you're supposed to get to know the other people that you're going to start working with, and then and then you give you learn the theory that you need to know about the company that you're selling for the products and the history and all that kind of stuff and then you give a test at the end and that was easy pretty much everyone passed that test and it was easy for me to pass the test but pretty fast i got labeled as the math whiz and the nerdy guy the programmer by everyone and everyone else i thought were more extroverted and really it was easier for them to interact with other people where i was this antisocial guy, right? So that my story in my brain got stronger and stronger as the week went by. And I was still just thinking, you know what? I know you feel uncomfortable. You just got to, you can't drop out now. You, If you do it in a couple of months and you really couldn't tack it, then fine, but not this early. So it's hard to get up and go there, but I'm still, I'm in it. So after the first week, we have two weeks of being on the phones and doing the job. Because they're saying, the only way to learn is to do it. So that weekend was not fun. Because we knew that on Monday, we would be on the phones. And we would be talking to people. And how do they do it? Usually in these companies, at least the one I worked at, is that you you are put on this dialer system that has an almost like an infinite number of numbers to call. Which technically, it isn't that, but a lot of people. And it's just going through it one by one. And so you are just, you have a headset on and you are connected with a random person in the country. And you go through your script that you're given. And we were we had a script that we had to go through. Hey, this is Rafael Hoda calling from blah, blah, blah. And uh, the reason I'm calling you today is because blah. And you ask them a question, right? Can I ask you which provider you use? And most of them are like, yeah, I'm not interested. I'm not, don't call me, I'm not interested. That's most people, which is understandable because we're calling these people right when they've started work or during lunchtime. It doesn't work, right? And everyone has this thing that, ah, don't sell me. I'm not interested in being sold to. Just that was difficult for everyone. And I was so nervous the first time I, I was on a call, but it happened and I didn't die. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I was still nervous for the second one. And the nervousness went down, but it's really difficult. And that's honestly what I'm so grateful for that I had that experience of doing so much of that in such a compressed period of time, because we were on the phones for about eight, nine hours a day, just constantly calling new people and doing the same thing over and over again. Hey, that script. And I had a horrible first day. I had zero sales, zero. And a sale was what? There's basically two big phone companies in Norway. And the biggest one were the ones that we were selling for. And then the second biggest one was the one where we wanted the customers from. So the sale wasn't rocket science. It was basically like, can I ask you a couple of questions? 
can you, how much are you currently paying for your plan? How much data do you use? This is back when data actually was a thing that was fairly new. You didn't have unlimited data like it's now. And then from that, you would be like your expert opinion. It would be like, okay, we have this thing, which will save you this much money. And you'll also get better coverage or something like that. And then you would be like, do you want to go for this? And they would be like, yeah, okay, let's do it. And most people would not be interested. So it was pretty straightforward. But the first day I had zero sales and some people in our group actually managed to, managed to sell. I think a couple of people had one or two sales. And so I'm already like, oh my God, horrible first day. I'm so bad at this. And the company that I worked at, I want to commend them. It's, it was actually a really good company. And I'm so glad for this work experience that I got. So happy. But, and the coaches that we had were really good too. They were actually pretty young too. My, one of my coaches was younger than me actually by a year or two, I think. But he'd already worked there for a couple of years and had gotten really good. But the way that they do it in the industry is that, or the good companies at least, is that they record everything that you, all your calls. And so when you've tried it for a day or something, they'll call you in and they'll make you listen to yourself, which is, oh my God, the worst experience ever. If you've listened to yourself, pretty much everyone in the world hates listening to themselves or watching themselves. Can we agree on that? Can you say yes in the comments if you agree with that, if you're listening? You hate your own voice. And when you listen to it, you want to die. <laughs> Maybe not that bad, but it's pretty bad. And you don't like looking at yourself in a video or something like that. Kish says yes. Are there any, well, there's four more of you. Just say yes. So I, as I feel better, so it's not only me. I think it's pretty common, right? Even actors will say like Johnny Depp is famous for not watching his own movies because he doesn't look like watching himself. You know, That big of an actor still has that. But tough luck. You got to get over that. And I had to too, because you got to listen to yourself because it's the only way you can get better is listening to how you sound on the phone after the fact. And then the coach goes, why did you do this? Why did you feel like you had to do it? Okay. If you did this, then it would be better, right? Yeah. Okay. So then do it next time. Simple, right? You do something, you do it wrong. You listen back, you get feedback from someone who knows more than you, and then you improve. And so that's what I did. But second day, zero sell sales, zero sales. So feeling like a loser because that first sale is so key and people are starting to really, there are people crying in our batch. There are people crying. There are, there's one kid who is younger than me, who basically gets a death threat from, from like this middle-aged Norwegian guy. He's like, I'm going to come to your place and I'm going to fuck you up. I'm going to, I'm not kidding. This is how it is in the industry because you never know, right? These people have their own stressful lives. And if you're talking to them um, right at the wrong moment, then they will take it out on you, right? Come on. People think that the telemarketers are like the lowest of the low in our society. And so they, if you're feeling really frustrated, you take it out on the person, which, which is not good, which is horrible. That shouldn't be the case, but that's the reality. Okay, so that happened. So second day, zero sales. Third day, zero sales. Fourth day, I go... So I go home the third day. I'm like, okay, I got to figure this thing out. Why am I not getting sales? 
And so I go, has anyone here watched The Wolf of Wall Street? Let me know in the comments if you have. Oh, there's only two people. Maybe there's <laughs> no one. If you watch The Wolf of Wall Street, that is the movie that's like the favorite movie of all the salespeople in the world. I'd watched it like two years before, I think, because this is 2015, right? And that movie came in 2013. It's so about a year or a year and a half before it had come out and I seen it and I loved it. And so I went, hey, that movie had the, the sales guy, right? The, the main guy that Leonardo DiCaprio played. And I was like, he did a lot of bunch of like really stupid things and like evil, evil things, bad things, basically scamming people. I don't want to do that, but he was really good at sales because he proved himself in the earlier part of the movie. And so I started thinking about that and I, and I was like, okay, who was that guy? So I started researching the guy that the, the movie is based on Jordan Belfort. And I went on his website and it was like, oh, learn how to sell. I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I want. And so I was like, I went, okay, I'm going to buy his course. Then I go, oh my God, $999. Yeah, I can't afford that because I have no money. So I go, what do I do? What do I do? And so I did something that I shouldn't have done. <laughs> I went to Pirate Bay and I pirated his entire course. I hope I don't get into trouble for this. It's like almost 10 years ago this happened. And I think I'm going to make up to him in some way later, maybe if I meet him or something. But I did. I basically downloaded his whole program, which is just a bunch of videos where he's explaining different things. And I binged watched the whole thing. And I like, not the whole thing, because this was several hours, but I like identified the most important parts. And then I went through all of it. And I was like, okay, huh? There is a whole like science behind it. There are things that I can do. So I started implementing those things. I'll give you an example. So if you've seen the movie, that there is a thing in the movie that they say where he whips out a pen and he says, sell me this pen. He hands it over to a person and sell me this pen. So that's, that's such a good thing that they added in the movie because that's like the key thing that you have to understand. Like the, all of sales is in that one thing. And the thing that people do wrong is this. They start to sell you the pen. So they go, oh my God, this pen is an amazing pen. Such an amazing pen. Because this pen is actually the perfect pen if you want to do calligraphy. Or if you want to write a letter to a friend. So if you want that kind of thing, this pen, and you can do other things too. But that this is the pen that you want. That's what they do. That's what most people do if you hand them a pen and they you ask them, sell me this pen. That's the wrong way to do it. That is the exact wrong way to do it. Can anyone tell me why? If someone's watching in the comments, can you tell me why this is wrong? Why is this bad selling? If you're handed a pen and you say, sell me this pen, and you go, oh my God, an amazing pen because this is this is such a good pen. Why is that the wrong approach? Any ideas? Okay. 
is difficult, right? The right approach is this. The first thing you want to do is ask a question to figure out, yes, you should sell something where there is a need. You need to first understand whether there is a need in the other person's life for a pen. They might have this pen. They might have 10 pens. You don't know because you don't know them. How will you get to know them? By asking them a question and then getting an answer and ask, asking another question. And this is what, literally this is like all of sales, asking questions. There's more things too, which I'll get into, but that's the key thing, asking good questions. Because only then will you as quickly as humanly possible understand that the person that you're talking to, if they even should consider your product, because if they don't, then you are wasting their time and your own time, but more importantly, their time, which is not a good thing to do. That's very disrespectful. And then you should be like, you know what? This is not right for you. You don't need this. So thank you for your time. I'm going to go. Have a good day. That's good selling. Good selling is not you having a whatever and trying to convince the other person to buy it just because you need the money, basically. That's not good selling because then you're scamming them. You need to figure out, do they even need it? That's on you. You have to figure that out. You do that by asking them questions, right? So I learned that. I'm like, oh my God, this is why we ask questions. And we're being told to ask questions at the place I'm working at too. But now I understand the importance of that. And then this Jordan Belfort, which if you are in, interested in learning sales, you want to go to him. Check out his YouTube channel. He's got a plenty of free things. And he's the one who's who I've learned the most from, I would say, in sales. He's amazing at it. Okay. What are some other things that I learned? I say, okay, he says that... When you begin, within four seconds, you need to establish a couple of things. You need to establish that you are a sharp person who knows what they're talking about, that you're an expert, okay? Because there's so many people that didn't really get past just sounding really boring on the phone. <laughs> when I'm talking right now, I'm very animated, and I'm going up and down and up and down like this, which is how you talk. When you're really into a conversation and you have some charisma and all of that stuff. But most people, especially when they're doing something like calling someone to sell something, when they're reading the script, they go something like, hello, my name is uh, Shub, uh, Shubham and um, I'm calling from this company. And uh, today I'm wondering if which, uh, which uh, telephone provider you use. Does anyone want to talk to that person? Even that own person probably doesn't want to talk to them because it's very clear that they're reading off a script, which is a big no. You need a script. You need a script. Otherwise, you're going to go all over the place. But you can't be, <laughs> you can't, it can't seem like you are reading off a script. And you need to have some, you need to like be really interested in this. Hey, we have, we're being connected by our dialer system and we're talking together. And I really want to figure out if we can make your life better by make, maybe saving you a little bit of money, you know? That's the thing. At the end of the day, you believe in the product that you're selling, right? You're not selling a scam. If you're doing that, you should get the fuck out of there. You shouldn't be selling things that people don't need. And I have been part of some companies where I later on understood that this is really not fully ethical. And I got myself out of there. 
Okay, so that's like a baseline thing that you, you need to be selling things that are actually useful in people's lives. But provided that you have that, you do need to you do need to seem like you're interested in doing your own job, which means sounding like this. Hey, Shob, this is Rafat Hoda calling from uh, company XYZ. I'm not going to take much of your time. If you have 60 seconds, I want to just see if you have use for our product. I'm just coming up with this on the fly. Okay, so could you just tell me quickly which cell phone provider you're using? You're using AT&T, right? Okay, yeah. We have so many people that are paying more than they have to. So if I just have three questions I need to ask you, after which we'll figure out if we can save you this amount of money and you'll have even better coverage than you already have. Are you interested? See what I did there? So fast, within 15 seconds, I'm like, look, the scope of this whole thing is not going to go on for half an hour. I'm only going to take a couple of minutes of your time. And I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions. And after that, we're going to figure out pretty quickly if I can save you some money. And about this much is how much you can save. Are you interested? Come on. Yeah. Come on. Re reasonable. The reasonable man. This is what Jordan Belfort calls it. The reasonable guy. Like I'm reasonable. You're reasonable. Come on. Yeah. I Like I know you hate me because you don't like salespeople and I'm a telemarketer. I'm sorry. I apologize, but it's just it's just about spending three minutes with me and we'll figure out if you need this. Sound fair enough? Yeah. You should should we create a need? No. You shouldn't. There's a question here. Should we create a need or should we go only where there is a need? You should not create a need. You do not create a need. There is either a need or there is no need. You can't do that even. You will not be able to create a need where there isn't. If you do, and some people are so good at sales that they can use certain techniques to sell things to people where they don't need it, and that is not good. That is unethical. And you're the one who's going to pay for it because that person is going to go. Because sometimes, you know what happens? I'll tell you, and this is 100% this is true. The people that did the best in the batch and I'll tell you the rest of the story, how I did and everything like that. But the people that are very like dangerous salespeople are the ones that have like their voice. Because if you're talking on the phone, it's the voice basically. So if your voice and your tonality and the way that you speak, the cadence and everything is really good, you can almost put the other person in like this hypnotic trance state. Okay, where they don't even know why they're saying yes, but because you're so persuasive, they just keep saying, yeah, that makes sense. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 This is like a yes series. This is a thing in sales that you want to do something and then you present it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you keep them going. And you got to be really careful. It's so easy if you're good at this, especially if you have some natural things that make you better at it, that you don't, <laughs> you make sure that you don't fool the customer or you lead them down a path where it's more your because you want to get that extra sale and the commission that's what's driving you and not the genuine care you can say for the customer saying that we genuinely have a good product and i want to give it to you because i believe that your life is going to be a better better as a result of having it it's a fine line there and people you got to do that right so if you do put them in a trans state then then they will at, at the end, they will be like, uh, so are you ready? So should I send over the contract or whatever? I'll be like, yeah. Okay, yeah. And they won't even know why they said yes. And I've done this myself. I've been on, on the receiving end of it. 
where I've talked to a person that were so persuasive, I said yes, and I regretted it afterwards. And so all that's going to happen later on is that they're going to be like, what? And they're, they're going to come out of their trance and they're going to be like, what? I didn't want that thing. I didn't really need it. Or they're going to talk to their wife or husband, whatever it is. And they're going to be like, you know what? I don't want it. I want a refund. So it's just going to come back and haunt you uh, or <laughs> bite you in the ass. And even if that doesn't happen, you still sold someone uh, something that they uh, shouldn't have bought, really. So that's that's uh, responsibility of a salesperson. Anyway, so I started learning these things. And guess what? On the fourth day, I get three sales, three sales. And I go up on the board, on the whiteboard, three. I'm starting to feel good. From then on, it went really well. I got obsessed with getting better. I'm like, I'm liking this, you know? And every time you came in to do your job on the phone, you felt, oh my God, it's an impossible task to, to get a sale. And every day I would get a couple of sales. And soon enough, I actually started rising and I started like towards the second week. We actually were three weeks on the, on the phones, not two weeks. I remember wrong. But during the second week, I was starting to like be the best salesperson almost every day. It was like a couple of people and we were fighting for the first, first prize. The very last day, which was a Friday, I got 16 sales in one day. And normally, most people that were in the same batch as me, and already a lot of people had dropped out already. Actually, the batch has gotten much smaller than 25 because people were like, you know what? I don't like this. I'm going to go. So fewer people were still there. But I had 16 sales and most people were getting zero to three, four sales on a regular day. So I was at this point, I was like, I'm liking this. I'm good at this. I can become good at this. I was the nerdy guy. Uh, who I don't think anyone thought that I could do very well. I didn't even. And now I was the best salesman in our batch, like by far. The second person was way behind. I'm just being honest here. I'm not bragging. This is honestly what happened. I, I did very well. And so my, my, my coach, one of my coaches came to me at the end of the day. And he said, do you know how well you did today? At 16 sales. And he showed me, he's come with me and he, went to his computer and he showed me that the amount of money that I had brought in for the company that day, that's how they, um, what do you call it? That's how they measured it basically, right? How well all of the salespeople are doing because we were on the bottom floor doing like the, the telemarketer job, but there were other people doing other things like insurance sales and selling internet packages and things like that. And he told me that you're, you're the second best salesman on the entire in the entire company today. I'm like, really? He said, yeah. So there's one woman, I think, that did better than me that day in the entire floor or in the entire company, rather, with like almost 200 salespeople. And then I went, ah, okay, there's something here. I can do this. I was completely wrong. I thought sales wasn't for me, but it's definitely for me. And that is what started my sales career. That is how I learned to sell. Now, that was just the beginning because remember, sales takes a lot of time to get really good at. Now, what I had, the only thing that I had proved at, up until this point was that I could sell cell phone subscriptions, which is a very simple kind of sale where the, the entire sales last, the entire sale doesn't last more than five, 10, 15 minutes, right? Most sales, or rather, not most sales, but more kind of complex sales 
will go on for days or even months. They will uh, require you have several meetings with the person and there's a whole thing. And, and I've done that too, but that came much later. So that is how I learned to sell, basically. Again, summarizing it, I didn't think I was going to be able to, but I'm so grateful that I did because now I really pride myself in being a good salesman. And it's one of the things that helps me the most in my tech career because selling is everything. And just let's get out of the selling in a company like a product that I was doing. If you are looking for a job, you need to sell yourself to the company. So selling is everything. If you want a, if you want a customer, if you're building a website for small businesses, for example, you need to go out there and sell. And it's later on, it's going to be easier to do that because you already have customer base and they're coming to you. But in the beginning, it's not. And it's not like that for me either in the beginning. And so you need to first, the biggest thing is the mental block that you're putting for yourself that I can't be a salesperson, whether it's the people here, there's some people that just joined. Let me know again, if you're in the comments, say hi. So I can see who's watching. But Chances are most of you are in the tech industry, obviously trying to become coders, developers, whatever it is. And you just have this thing that I cannot sell. But I'll tell you something right now. It's really difficult to get a job as a junior developer, honestly. And if I were you, I would think past just a technical position because get this. I think that basically anyone can get good at sales. If I can get good at sales, anyone can get good at sales. And yes, you can be an introverted person who just likes to sit and code all day at home and doesn't like talking to people because that was me. That is me still, but not as much. But yes, you can be good at sales as well. And there is a whole, there is a whole path to doing that. And the best way to do that and the best way to make money fast is actually get a sales job at a company because they are always looking for people. The thing about sales companies is this. You can try to get good at sales yourself by selling something yourself, but that's going to take you much longer because if you join a sales company, a call center or something like that, and you got to make sure if what you're selling is, is something that you can stand behind, it shouldn't be a thing that is scamming people, obviously. They have the infrastructure set up to reach those people through the phone usually, or in-person meetings, whatever it is. But you put yourself in a position where you get to get a lot of quantity practice really fast. And you, your brain starts programming itself into thinking like a salesman or saleswoman person, whatever it is, really fast. And that's I, I'm glad that I did that because if I had done that by myself later on, because I've sold so many things. After that, I got promoted and I started selling insurance for the same company. I've, sell, I've sold websites and apps and usually what I've made myself and uh, yeah, I have quite a bit of experience there. But if I hadn't had that experience of getting that much practice in a little bit of time, I don't think I would get as good as I did. But so yeah, just be open to that, that you can go for a sales position too. Usually in sales, you need to do something like easier sales jobs first, like I did to prove yourself. And those are the ones that they will literally give to anyone. Because why? Because these companies know that it's really difficult to do sales. Most people drop out, most people hate it. Because why? Because most people don't like public speaking. It's the same reason, right? They don't like to talk to strangers. 
period. They don't like to do that. And people feel bad because of it. But if you can just feel those things and still get through it, then on the other end, there is a lot of good things awaiting you. Because, yeah, so anyway, it, it be open to that. Go for the interviews for those jobs, actually. See, get a taste for it. Try it out for a couple of weeks or a month. They'll take anyone because so few end up staying that they just need to take in a lot every month and train them up. And then only a couple of them actually become good. Okay, I think I'm going to take a little pause there. And I think I've said most of the things, but I do want to say some things more about like how to do sales if you are a tech person wanting to sell a website to a small business or something like that too. But those few of you that are watching, do you have any questions or thoughts, comments so far about what I've said? Maybe you agree with me. Maybe you disagree with me. Anything? Do you feel like, okay, do you feel like you could go in sales? Do you feel like you could be a salesperson? Pretty clear till now, you're saying? So you think you can? You could go into sales? Okay, so what else do I have to share here on how I learned to sell? If you are, so one thing that's very relevant for us now, I think, is that if you are a young-ish person, even not so young person trying to break into tech, one way obviously is to, I would like to give it to try now as you've provided the details. Yeah, I, I think you should. I think you should. I think it's a great idea. And it's, I'm always a proponent of, doing things all the time whether you feel like it's going to work or not you just do it anyway because you're learning always right and we are so good as human beings to just pigeonhole ourselves too early because of these reason i am a person who can only do these things and we it's not the right way to think if you want to do big things in this life you cannot think like that because then you're going to be the if you're a 20 year old person right now you're going to be the 40 50 60 year old person who just told themselves that this is the only thing I can do. And that's what I've been doing. And you're just like doing this very specialized thing. And that's all you can do. And maybe you're the type of person who loves that. I don't think most people do because we need variety in our lives. More and more of our work in the world is going to move towards that, where you not only know how to code, but you also know how to make funny meme videos for Instagram, for example, or uh, do video editing or write for social media or just for your blog or something like that, do marketing and things like that. I think there is a, there is a trend that is happening where there's going to be more and more smaller companies that are going to be servicing the other smaller businesses in their area. I hope that's the future I am trying to bring about in my own little way. And for that, you need to know sales. Okay, let, let's take a specific uh, case. You're a 22-year-old person, and you live in a city. And you live in a city of at least 500,000 people, let's say, okay? And you know how to code. And you know how to design a little bit. You already have the skills to start earning money. You already have it. Should you 
look for a job. Yeah, okay, you can look for a job, but looking for a job means what? Looking, searching for jobs and sending out your application, right? That doesn't take very long. Most people are able to do that every day a little bit, right? Uh, and then it's just the waiting game, right? And you go on those interviews and everything. But in the meantime, you can think, hey, I can, uh, I have, there's a hair salon over there, right? Or a dentist office or accountant or whatever it is. Small businesses are everywhere. Most businesses in the world are small businesses. Most people in the world are employed by small businesses. More people in the world are employed by a little company with the owner and just a couple of people versus a huge company like Amazon. I don't know if you knew that, but that's the case by a lot. So what does that mean? All of the people that are building digital products are going for the big companies because that's where the money is. Makes sense. And then the medium-sized businesses that have already established themselves go for the next tier business, right? Where they still get a lot of money for each project. But there's very few people that are going for the small businesses. And those are those that are doing it, in my opinion, not a good way. They're just calling them and they're just making WordPress websites for them, basically, based on templates that they can buy off online. Here's how things are done in the industry, okay? From my experience, and I'm pretty sure this is how it's done most in most of the world because I've researched this myself. Most people, when they start their web consulting business of selling websites to people, they learn WordPress enough to be able to create a website for a business. Now, they usually don't know design or coding much. But they learn enough and they understand, oh, I can go to this website where other people that are better at design have made templates for me. And I can buy it off of them for $10, $20, $30. And I can use that. And I can just make some modifications. And there you go. I made a website for a restaurant. That's how I did it years ago. I'm a little bit embarrassed to say, but that's how I did it. And you can do it that way, sure. But first of all, there's so many people doing it that way. And second of all, I personally don't think it's the best approach. And I don't really think that's what the small businesses even need. The needs of a small business is sometimes it can be pretty unique to that business. And again, coming back to the only way that you can understand that the other person even needs a pen is by just asking them questions. So you need to figure out how to contact a person that you're interested in having as a client, a small dentist office or something like that. And then rather than selling them a website outright, where you're like, I looked at your website, it's pretty bad, I can make you a better one. What does that do really? If you make them a website just that just looks better than the old one, do you really think that that's going to make them get more clients that way? Do you really think that? Because I thought this, and I think I was wrong. I thought that a website that looks amazing is one that will convert more people overall that is measurable in some way so that they will actually get more business. And turns out that's not correct. That's not true. It doesn't really matter how your website looks like. I'm sorry to say, that's what the data suggests. There's plenty of bad-looking websites out there that print money, honestly. Craigslist is a great example. 
Craigslist looks exactly like it did in 1995 when it was launched. And it makes it's a money printing machine, essentially. Only 40 people work there. And that's exactly what everyone else is selling to them, too. The pitch that they are carrying all the time is that your website is not great for these reasons. Who are you to tell them that their website is not good? Imagine that. The business owner opening, uh, turning up the phone. Hey, yeah, I'm calling from this company and I'm here to tell you why your website sucks and why you need our website. What? That's how you want to start the conversation? That's not a great way to do it. I haven't seen it because they're immediately going to get defensive and they're going to say, yeah, we don't need a website. I know we don't need it. That's what they say always. So you can't take that approach. You cannot take that approach. That doesn't work. Or that works so little that if you take that approach, it's going to take you a lot of time to call a lot of people to get one yes. And they're going to not want to pay you a lot of money. So a better approach, I think, is the following. How can you get in front of them and take a little bit of their time to just say this? You know what? I don't want to sell you anything because I don't even know anything about your business. I don't know, but I like to know because I'm a coder and I like that. So there's different ways you can get that meeting even. My favorite way is to either make a video for them, a funny video that's not more than one minute long and you send it to them just on their LinkedIn or through their email or through their phone even. I've even sent people videos on their phones, a lot of them, right? And you can either make a video or you can make something for them. This is even better. You can make a website for them already, a super simple one, right? But this is to get the meeting with them, to be like, I'm a coder and I want to make your life, I want to see if I can make your life better by asking you some questions to see that maybe you are doing things in your business manually right now that I can automate for you. That is something that they could be potentially interested in, that they're spending five extra hours doing this manual work of transferring something from their one app to a spreadsheet, for example, which is where they have all their customer data. They're doing that manually. You go, you know what? I can write you a script that can do that for you. You just need to click a button or even that can be automated. They're going to go, really? Yeah. So those are the type of things that I've heard in my experience of doing this where they are more receptive to like, Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, let's do a coffee. 45 minutes, yeah. And when you do that, when you get them that, then you better be prepared with questions and all types of questions. Tell me about your life. So when do you wake up? I wake up at six. I get the kids to school. And then when do you get to work? Uh, about nine, most days, eight or nine. Okay. What's the first thing that you do? First thing I get do is check my emails. Okay. What are you checking for really? I'm checking if we've got any support tickets and I'll, see, just you're, you're letting your curiosity guide the conversation and you just want to learn more about them. And guess what? They're going to feel amazing afterwards because now you have this weird person that didn't try to sell them anything. No mention of selling. You cannot sell anything at this point, okay? You are just curious about their lives. And anyone that sits down with a person and they can talk about themselves, they love it. Everyone loves it, whether it's a meeting like this with a prospective client or you're on a date with a girl or a boy or whoever. That's the way to do it. That's This is the way how to have uh, good conversations with people is legitimately be interested in them and ask them questions. And then hopefully they want to do the same thing with you too. But in this case, you're the person asking the questions.
Okay. And once you've done that, you have a lot of data now. So with that data, once you've collected it with the first meeting, then you go and getting the first meeting, it you can you don't have to make it more, you you can you can make it so simple because you can literally start off with someone that you can literally walk to. It could be a, a hair salon, and you could literally see that the person in the hair salon is one person. It's probably the owner, right? Or a tattoo parlor. It could literally be anything, any small business. Most of the time, they're just sitting there on their phones being bored because they don't have any customers, unfortunately. Unless they're a very successful business, in which case they're very busy. But if you see the owner just sitting there on their phones, you can go talk to them. Yes, you can. Is it going to be scary? Yes. Are you still going to do it? If you do, then good things can happen. I do this all the time. I do this all the time. And there's very non-weird ways of doing this. Believe me. Okay? If you do it in a weird way, they're going to be like, oh, what are you doing? Why are you asking me these questions? But if you do it in a good way, which I'll tell you right now, no one's going to have any questions. I've done this probably hundreds of times before. I just like to do it anyway. I just, when I go into a new business or a new restaurant with other people, I'm just curious about the business and I start talking to the person there, even the owner sometimes. You just start asking the question. I say usually something like, uh, the, the food was so amazing. Thank you so much. I had a great time. I was wondering, I haven't seen you. Is this a new business? Yeah, we opened up a new shop here. We've been operating for 10 years in a different city. Oh, really? How did you get started? It was my father who got me into it. And see, now you're talking questions, curiosity, genuine curiosity. No one doesn't like this. Everyone likes this. Okay. But the way you can go into it is literally, if you're going through a business and you see the business owner there, this works in any country, just go in and say, Hey, I hope I'm not disturbing just always start with something like that. I hope I'm not disturbing because they legitimately might not want to talk to you or they could be doing something better with their time. But if you go in with first, can I ask you permission for us to do this thing? Yes, we're good. Okay. You always do that, right? <clears throat> it's just being respectful. <clears throat> so I hope I'm not disturbing. I'm just curious because I've walked through here a couple of times. I'm, I'm a coder. And I was just wondering if, how can you do it? Let me think for a second. So if you go into an air salon is, yeah, you can do it like this. Okay. So I'm a programmer and recently I've actually been looking into some hair salon websites. Yeah. On different ways on how people can basically book an appointment with you, right? You've been doing some research. That's what you're telling them, right? And I was just curious because you are a person who's been running this business. If I could just ask you a couple of questions about that, they'll go, yeah, okay, sure. Uh, and then you start with the questions, right? So um, for how long have you been operating? When did you start? Five years? Okay. And how's it been going? Yeah, you know, it's been going okay. I used to make more money and then Corona happened and then blah, blah, blah. I go, okay, okay. So can I ask you, if I wanted to book an appointment with you, how would I go about doing that? Specific question. And they go, you would either just walk in like you did or you could call me. Okay, so you're saying you don't currently have a way of doing it like online? No, we don't really. We have Instagram. Sometimes people do it that way. Oh, you have an Instagram. Okay. Do you have other social media? Yeah, we have a Facebook too. Okay. So how many of your customers would you say you get through Facebook, Instagram versus calling? Ah, about half. See, you're talking. It doesn't even matter what the questions are. The, the point is that you're talking now. You're developing a connection. And at the end of it, you've gathered some data, right? Which you're, hopefully you're noting it down in your brain or maybe on notepad or your phone 
But then now you have a contact and you go, hey, let me introduce myself. My name is this, your name. Okay, good. So thank you so much for answering these questions. Okay, good. Nothing after that. Then you go home. Then you do some, some coding or something and you build something, right? In a Figma or you do it. You like listen to that guy or woman and you go, oh, they said that they book the people wanting to book an appointment with them. That doesn't happen yet. So how about I book a little book? <laughs> how about make a little booking app for them that could show them how it potentially could be? Okay. Now, basically what you're doing is that you're giving yourself a reason to contact them again with something concrete. Again, you're not trying to sell them anything. It's too early for that, but you're creating a connection with them still. And so if you continue doing it in this organic way, in this very human way, one thing I can assure you is that no other company is doing it that way. No other company. All the other companies are calling you and being like, hey, we're this company and we're so impressive and I'm going to talk to you about all the big clients that we have that you don't care about to try to impress you. And then they're going to say, yeah, I'm not interested. Sorry. So are they going to get sales? Yeah, they're going to get sales, but they have to call 100 people to get one sale, maybe 500 people. But what are you doing? Well, you're going for many fewer people, but you're literally taking yourself to their establishment, showing them that I am a person. I want to talk to you because I'm interested in your business. And believe me, business uh, business owners will open up to you about their problems so fast. Because you are literally saying, use me as a therapist. Tell me about all of your frustrations. I'm here to listen to you. Then later on, maybe you figure out that this person doesn't actually need a website. They don't need a website. No. What they need is for me to be able to automate something for them. So they're getting, they already have a website that's working, but the form that they use on their website for booking is just sending them an email. What they actually want is that email to take all the data from that email and uh, add it as a new row in a spreadsheet that they have or a little CRM that they use like HubSpot or something like that. That process is entire manual right now. And the owner is just doing it when they get some extra time. You can automate that because there's automation tools like Zapier and others that will let you do something like that. Oh, wow. Okay. How much would you pay me for something like that? That's pretty good. Would you pay me $2,000? Yeah, I would do that. There you go. You thought you would sell them a website, but what they actually needed was just a little thing. You solved it for them. They're willing to give you money. Because when you get them to a point where they do believe, oh my God, this person can solve a problem that I'm doing manually right now. And they're literally going to save me five hours a week. There's a monetary value there, right? Because those five hours can be converted into a specific number, which you then can say, I will only charge you one-tenth of that. Are you willing to give me that money every month? Then you get into the business model, like the how much you're charging them. You charge it all at once. That, that's a whole different conversation we don't have to have right now. But you will see a shift in the way that they will be talking to you. Because I've literally had this happen to me because uh, I've done this before. They will go from being skeptical to being like, oh, could you do this? Oh, how about this? Because I also have this. Could you do this? Could this happen? Yeah, let me show you. Like, you mean this, right? Yeah. Oh, really? You can do that? Yeah. Yeah, I can do that because I know how to code and I know how to use a computer. 
Really? Yeah. Oh my God, that would save me so much money because you, I actually literally have to get another person to do this and they're so unreliable and they, damn, this solves so much. So now they're already, because at the end of the day, yeah, you're trying to sell them something and yeah, you're trying to get money. But at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is make their life easier and less stressful. Really? And if you can do that with anyone in the world, anyone will give you their money. They will take my money. And first of all, you need to identify if that person is even in that camp for you. Most people won't be. Most people do not need what you're selling. Okay. You need to quickly identify that. Okay. And be like, you know what? You don't need me. Have a great day. It was great meeting you. I'm going to go. That's the thing you got to, you cannot convince the person. Do not fall into the trap of being there and having already invested some time into it and thinking like, I've already talked to them. I, they don't really need it, but I can say these things, which I'm, no, don't do that. Do not do that. I've heard that doesn't work. It's not good. And even if, if it works, it's not good to do it. That's unethical. As soon as you understand that you should not sell anything to them, you remove yourself and you say, thank you so much. Maybe we can do business later because that leaves time open for you to go to the next person. You can go to the next person and that person might want it from you, what you're selling. There was not much structure to this, but I hope this is useful. Can you give me a sign? Those of you that are watching, am I making sense? Is any of this useful to you? And we got some comments while I was talking. Now I think about it. I realized that I've seen a person who's been in the tech industry for 20 years now, and he has been emphasizing how to put yourself out there to clients with confidence. Yes, there you go. That's the thing. And that's the thing that I have seen now over the last couple of jobs that I've had that I, because I've had that experience and I'm, I want to do that, that clearly distinguishes me uh, um, from the other people I work with, mostly coders, right? Because coders, Remember, you can, the, the people that are, this is why I have my um, community. I'm going to do a plug here. Learning machines. It's completely free. I'm not trying to sell you anything. It's a free thing. Learning machines. Um, the reason I called it learning machines, the community that I have, where I run some free stuff, um, where you can learn how to apply for a job in my course that goes on for six weeks. Again, it's free if you want to join. But what I try to, the reason I, called it learning machines is because the people that go from not being able to do something like I hope to do, thinking stand-up comedy is a little bit, um, you know, scary, to hopefully in a year, I'm going to be like, you know what, I'm pretty comfortable with this. And I'm much better at it now than I was a year ago. I'll have to do it a lot. And I'll have to do it in front of people, which is going to be scary, right? But the only difference between the people that you look up to in this world, whoever that is, uh, Shah Rukh Khan or, or Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or people that we don't even know that are not that famous but are doing great things, whatever it is, none of those people were born knowing how to do the things they do really well. Because you got to remember a person like Shah Rukh Khan, for example, who's an actor, but he's not just an actor. That's one of the things that he's very famous for. But he's also a businessman, right? A very successful one. And he's he also does live shows. He also needs to be good at stand-up comedy because he does live award shows and dancing and all that. He does a lot of things. He does basically so many different kind of things. So don't you think he's pretty good at math too? He has to be because he has to be able to talk to his accountants to figure out how much 
business they made this year and how much they should do next year to do projections and things like that. He has to be. I, without even knowing him, I know he's good at math because it wouldn't make sense that he would become so big if he wasn't. So what does that mean? Was he born being good at those things? No, you have to learn it. That's why learning machines, because you're literally thinking, identifying, this is a thing that I'd like to do in the future. I'm shit at it right now, like everyone is. How am I going to get better at it? You ask, how am I going to get better? Not if I'm going to get better at it. No, because the if is the wrong question to ask. If you do it long enough, you will get better at it, right? But what most people do, when I talk to most people and if I talk about I'm a coding teacher or teach math or something like that, oh my God, I was never good at math. I just, I like, really? Okay, how much math have you done? I did math up until school. Okay, when was the last time you tried to do a really hard math problem? Never, okay. You're telling me that you're really shit at something that you spend literally no time on. Okay, so don't you think that you should try to do really hard math problems every single day for at least 15 minutes for about a year before you can say something remotely close to, I am horrible at math? Why are we doing these things? The same thing happens in the tech industry because you go to someone and you go, you could be good at sales. No, I could never do that. I don't like people. Really? You don't like people. Uh huh. You don't like anyone? You like your wife, don't you? Yeah, but that's different. Is it really? Why? We tell ourselves these like blanket stories that I could never do that or I am horrible at that. They're not based in anything and everyone does it. It's not like the techie people are really good at it and others are not. No, it's the same thing about the other stuff, about the social stuff. I can't do public speaking. I can't talk at a conference. I can't start a YouTube channel. I can't do whatever. I can't and they say it without having done any of it. I've been going on for an hour and a half now. I think I'm going to start closing this thing up. I think I've said most of the things that I wanted to. But we got some more people here. Brad and Imran is here. Hey, good to see you both. Do we identify ourselves by our business, by our business at first contact? Can you? I'm not sure if I understand that, Brad. Can you rephrase that perhaps? What do you mean by that? Do we identify ourselves by our business? Hey, Brad. Yeah, I just read your comment now. If you could just reframe. Hey, Nina is here too. Oh, now people are joining. <laughs> Maybe it's just about after work now and people are getting free. So yeah, we've been talking now. I've been talking for a while now. For those that are just joining, I was sharing the story of how I learned to do sales, which happened because... I honestly couldn't get any other job literally in 2014, end of 2014, when I had, when I was a dropout with barely something you can call a resume with one thing here and one thing there, an internship and something like that. And that was the only thing that I could do. And to my surprise, within three weeks in my batch of 25 people, I became the best salesperson with the most amount of sales which is how my sales career started. And since then, I've tried to become better and better at sales. And I've also sold a lot of things since then. And I'm trying to convince people that are watching this, that if you are a person who thinks you're like an introverted designer, developer, who only likes to sit in a place and code, that's great. But you need to learn sales too, because it's only going to help your career in different ways. 
the two main ways that we've uh, talked about right now, obviously, is like you getting a job, but getting more money because you can do more things. If a person can build, they need to team up with a person that can sell. And a person that can sell needs to team up with a person that can build. Steve Wozniak, Steve Jobs, you got that classic two-person team, right? But if you can do both, you can do both. You can sell and you can build. That's a deadly combination. Those are the things, those are the people that I'm afraid of. Those are the people that you get afraid of because one person can do both things. And if you can sell, if you yourself build the product and you sell it yourself, you don't even, you can't even imagine how much of a, a head start you have on other people. Because if you have a team, and I'm not against teams, I've also worked in teams and I like working in teams, small teams. But there is something different that happens when you can do both because the nitty gritty of the product because you built it yourself and you can connect it directly to the customer and you can draw lines and connections in your unique way in your brain, which doesn't require communicating it to other people and then coming to those insights together because that is going to, that delays the process and not only delays it, it makes it impossible to get to those. Now, are there other insights that you can only get by talking to other people? Oh yeah, there are for sure. I'm not against working with other people, but I'm saying that chances are right now that you might be a person who is in a position where you need to get a job, right? And I'm telling you that you, if you're spending all of your time getting better at your coding skills, designer skills, then you should actually spend some of that time looking into something like sales. And I've described in the video how to do that exactly, or on the podcast, actually, it's also going to be on the podcast. So for today, you are Jordan Belfort. Thank you so much, Imran Khan. That's what I talked about. He's my biggest inspiration here. He's the one who I learned sales from. And watch the whole thing to, to learn about that. Nina says, yep, after work, how, so how do you sell Nina? You have, you'll have to watch this afterwards. All you have to, it's also going to be on Spotify. So I'll send it to you and then you will know exactly how to sell it. Cause that's what I've been um, talking about for the last um, hour and um, 20 minutes. Maybe I can give you like a little nugget, like a little summary, two minute summary uh, at the end, just for you. You were talking about uh, making sales with a business. So when you meet somebody at their business, do you just strike up a casual conversation or do you identify yourself as a business? Yeah. So that's literally exactly what I was talking about just before you guys en entered, uh, how to do that. Um, so again, let me just give you the short version of that. You, first of all, no other companies are not doing it that way. Most other companies have a long list of businesses that they call, they get all their information, they buy it off another company, and they start calling them, the CEO usually. And they start going, just mass calling, they have a script, we're this company, we're impressive because we have these clients. And we have we saw by our research, the research is two minutes before Googling, that you don't have a website. And it's really important for people to have websites now because that's how people, that's how most people do it. Small business owners do not respond well to that. Okay. Why? What is the reason? That's what we've been talking about. The reason is, or the alternative way to do it is this. You get away from the idea that the small business owners need a website. They might need a website. They might, but they might also need something else or something different completely. You don't know. 
Essentially, you do not know anything about this person or their business. You literally know nothing. And so if you go in with the attitude of, oh, I know so much that you need, how can you even tell someone that they need a website when they've been doing fine without a website since they started their business 30 years ago? Who are you to tell them that they need a website? Don't you think they've had that conversation with multiple other salespeople before? Yeah. Don't you think they're doing okay? If they really needed a website, don't you think they would have gotten it already? So there are things that you do not know because you don't know anything about it. So how do you get yourself in front of this person in a human way? That's what we were talking about. I'll give you the short version of it now. The way that I do it literally is I do all of the research that I possibly can on this person that started this business. Or if it's like a husband and wife team, obviously that sometimes that's the case or two people. I do their LinkedIn, Facebook, everything. I search everything and I create myself an image of what this business is. Again, I could be totally wrong about these things, but that's what I do. I also go into this uh, website that exists in Norway where you can uh, search up their numbers. You can look at the accounting numbers basically because it's required by law that you do that. Uh, if you have an incorporated company, if you have a personal company in Norway, you don't need to put your numbers online. It's not visible for everyone. But anything and everything you uh, research, right? You want to get a sense of how old is this person? Okay, he's 50 years old. Uh, does he have a wife? Yes, he does, because I can see it from his Facebook. Does he have kids? Yes, okay. All of this is giving you context, right? Once you've gotten that profile, and this takes a little bit of time, uh, then you go, okay, how do I approach this person? Then I go, literally, okay, this business exists. I can literally take a bus and get to their business. What do I do? I go there. I literally go there. So I go there and I pass through and I get, okay, they have a sign and okay, inside it looks like this. And then that's what I do that day. This is the type of detective work I'm doing, right? And so my thing is this. At this point, I still don't know if I need to sell them anything. I don't know if they even need my services. Have I spent a lot of my time that could be wasted? Yes, I have, but that's the game you're playing. That's just how it's done. Most of the time that you spend on doing anything in this life is wasted, you can say, but you learn from it anyway, right? Even though if it doesn't directly go into producing something that can later be sold. This is how we learn as human beings. So at this point, I've identified that this is a dentist office operated by one owner, and there are two, there are there is an assistant, and then there is uh, another professional, okay? I, I could read this off their websites or their social media, Instagram, Facebook. And then I'm like, how am I going to approach them? So literally, if it's a dentist, for example, I could literally go, my teeth, I think it needs cleaning. When was the last time I went there? A year and a half ago. I could literally go again. I could go there as a customer. I'm not kidding you. I do this. This is how I do it. Or if you want a haircut or something like that, you just go there and you use their services. That's one. But that's not always the case. So then you find an excuse to talk to them. And the the two that I described in this video was that the first one is literally you're passing by and you go in and you say, hey, I'm uh, really curious about your business because I was doing some research because I'm a coder and I make, uh, I make websites for small business owners like you. And so I was doing some research on you and I saw that you had just started here like three months ago. Yeah, yeah. And so how is your business going? it's okay. This is actually the second location that I've started. The other one is in the other part of town. It's going okay, but it could be better. There you go. You're talking to the person already. You might not be believing me that is it really this easy? It is. Why? Because if you, if someone tells me, 
if someone asks me questions about my business, oh my God, I love that. I love talking about myself and my businesses. All business owners are like this. It's so easy. Literally, you do not, you almost don't need an excuse. I can go out there into any business in Oslo and get any business owner to answer specific question, questions about their business. It just is about how you phrase it because they never get asked this, not even by their spouses, right? So they have all of this in. And as soon as you just ask a question, they're like, yes, let me tell you. And especially if you're a business owner too, you can connect in that way. So that's the way that I propose that people do this. You find an excuse to start talking to them. But even before that, you've done your research because you know that this is a potential prospective customers that you could have. And you could be their customer too. That's one way to strike up a conversation. You could literally go there and say, I'm, I make websites. So I'm curious about this business and how it functions. And I'm going to ask you because I don't want to, I, want to, I don't want to Google about it because you're a person and I want to connect with you. That's another way of doing it. Another way of doing it uh, is literally you building something for them based on whatever you've researched, whether that's a little funny video that promotes their business. You can, like the videos that I make online, you can make something like that for their video. They're going to laugh, right? Or you can make a Figma sketch where I think, you know what? I was just, I just had some time after work. So I just made this for you. I don't know. Do you want to see? What do you think they're going to say? No, I don't want to see. No, they're going to say, yeah, show me what you, this strange person that I don't know, spend time out of their lives to make something for me. Really? Of course I want to see it. So I, I thought I looked at your website and I thought it'd be cool to have like your story is here because you wrote a little bit about yourself. So here it is. There's a call to action button and it goes to the, and then you're talking, you're already talking and you, then the questions are even coming to you just flowing to you, right? Just, just let your curiosity lead the way. And as soon as you have that, you have formed a connection with them, right? So then you go, okay, it was really great talking to you. I think I might actually have, would you be interested like doing another like proper meeting where I have my computer with me? Yeah, of course. Sure. When can we do that? You know, this time. Okay. So this entire, uh, so rather than selling like the other companies are, convincing them that whatever we have you need doesn't work um you just are like there's a reason we're talking i like you as a person i think you like me as a person i am curious to see if i who know about technology and and coding and design can help you have a better life by being less stressed by spending more time on the things that you want usually seeing clients and patients and things like that, if they're a dentist or whatever, cutting hair if they're a hairdresser, and less on administrative stuff, like doing manual things, like taking the stuff from your booking app and manually copying it over to your Google Sheets where you keep track of your customers or a HubSpot or whatever it is. So you, you got to think broader than just making a website for them. That could be the case, but it, essentially you're looking at yourself as a problem solver who knows computers really well. So things that they thought they just have to do because it's just the way they've done it always because they don't know coding, you can go, you know what? We can automate this. And at that point, they're going, really? Okay, but what about this? Because I also have this. Can you do that too? Then that's where the sale is happening because now they're like, oh, that's cool. You can do that? Oh yeah, what about this? And what this is all? Then the sale is happening. But it, at this point, it's not even clear what you're selling. 
that's my little kind of insight about this that I've gathered over years and years of doing this is that you don't go with a finished product and sell that to the person. That's the wrong way to do it. Big companies do that and they just succeed because they've done it for a while. You go with yourself because you're the product. You're the person who can solve their problem. And then you talk to them like a human being, which we hate to do because we're introverts working in the tech industry, which is exactly why you need to learn how to do it because no one else is doing it, which means that you are far ahead of everyone else. And then by talking to them like a person while drinking tea together and coffee and having some sweets or whatever, you connect with them and you understand their problems and then you go. I have a solution to these three problems that I can solve in this way. Do you want this? Yes. Yes, I want this. How much? There you go. That's the sale. Then you go, I, I charge all my customers up front this much, and then it's a monthly, whatever. Then that's, those are detailed. Those are easy things. But the hard thing is that, and what I propose and what has worked always for me better than just the calling random people is or emailing them or just the reason we do this in this industry is because we like to be just we don't want to go outside we just want to be with our computer we just want to do everything digital if possible the millennial generation i don't know how it is with you brad and nina uh, but uh, if someone calls us we start to get anxiety we get nervous that's where we are now because everything is just leave me in my comfortable place and i can send you a message a text and just there's always this distance between everyone so that we're all comfortable all the time. There's no growth that happens from there and there is no money to be earned from there because if you do what I just told you, and this is how I do it too, then you are doing the things that the other people aren't doing, which is also going to give you the results that the other people won't. And not only that, you will make human connections because that person that you're eventually going to build something for maybe even if they're, they don't need that themselves, they might have a friend who does. Because business people, okay, here's the thing. Small business owners are friends with other small business owners. Oh, who would have thought, right? Yeah, but that's how it is. <laughs> and the best kind of sale that you can get is through referral. Because that's easy, right? Because they've already been vetted now. So this person that you sold something to, they'll go, you know what? I have a plumber friend who also needs, he literally has exact this problem. Can you solve it for him too? course can you give here's his phone number just mention me and there you go and your first sale is going to be really hard second plus five ten twenty before you know it you're up to 30 sales 50 sales and now people are starting to know you in the community they're coming to you which is the perfect position to be in honestly when people come to you when you've gotten a little bit of scale but i know that most of you are not in that position you're just starting out you have zero customers but this is the best way that i found myself to do it and it has worked and yes you might be wasting time by doing the research but for me that's not wasted time that's just learning that is happening you're figuring out with everything that you're learning right and for me whether it comes to jobs even when i'm looking for jobs and applying for jobs i never ever go for the send out 100 resumes and only hear from two of them i stopped doing that years ago because it doesn't work i go for very few companies, very few. And I go, I'm going to create something, usually a video application, a whole thing, right? That is going to make each of them want to talk to me. Even if I'm not a good fit for the company, they'll still want to contact me and tell me that my application was really cool. Happens every time, every single time. 
if they look at my application, they do contact me and then we do talk. And it's it, where other people will apply for 300 companies, I will only apply for five or 10, but hear back from almost everyone. You, I know this might sound like a little bit like magic, but believe me, I'm not the only person doing this. I have other people that I know in my life that do it the same approach and it works every single time. It works every single time. This is the way to do it because it's almost obvious because if you show the other person that you've put in so much energy just for their company, just for them, it makes them feel special and it makes them feel almost indebted to you to at least give you a callback and say, you know what, I, I see how much energy you put into it and it's so cool and we want to thank you. You're, you don't have the credentials to be a senior developer at our company because you're not there yet, but it doesn't matter. It was really cool. I just want to tell you that. You'll get that at least, and that's a hundred times better than getting no callback. So yeah, now I am really going to stop because I got to go and do other things. Thank you so much for uh, joining, those of you that did. Brad, Nina, Amran, and Kish. I really hope I'm pronouncing your name right. I'm really sorry if I'm not. And um, who else was there? Shub was there for a little bit. Imran and Zainab and Kamini and Elena was there. Morgan was there in the beginning. And those of you that didn't say anything in the comments, yes, always give value first. I agree, Nina. That's the way to do it. That's We're in 2024. That's the only way to do it as far as I'm concerned. The other way is you're really needing to go for the numbers game if you're doing the other things. Okay, I'll get it right next time. Okay, everyone, have a good day, a Monday evening. I hope you have a great uh, rest of your week. Bye.